0: So I know that Phil has covered some of this background, but uh, to reintroduce us to the scriptures, I'm going to go through a little bit of background, and then we'll go verse by verse. So, Paul has established the Galatian church. They were not Jewish, uh, they, nor did they understand much about being Jewish. And this is important to understand as we read this text. Shortly afterwards, after Paul started these churches in Galatia uh, region, some Jews came in saying that uh, not only did you have to believe, but you had to be circumcised. And so uh, they were new to all of this, these Galatians, and they wanted to please the latest crop of teachers that were coming through. And uh, they didn't know. They were just trying to be obedient to this new thing that was happening. And so, the church was on the verge of mass circumcision. And so, Paul wrote this letter to remind them that God saved them based on the work of Christ, not their works. And so, Galatians is a powerful letter theologically. In my mind, it's second only to Romans. It's like Romans' younger brother. And it is powerful theologically because in it, and especially in this text today, Paul tells us the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then, he tells us not to forget the difference. And then, because this difference makes all the difference in the world, don't forget it. So let's look at the text. Galatians 3, and I'm going to back up to 23 just to help us uh, get the full steam ahead of what Paul's about to say. Now, before faith came, meaning the fuller revelation of Christ, we, meaning the Old Testament church members, were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So, my question was, why did Paul refer to himself as an Old Testament person? Because he was. And now he was a New Testament person. Paul was alive during the transition from the New Testament to the Old Testament. He was probably like five years, history says he's about five years older than Jesus. But uh, he was alive during the transition. So Paul and the rest of the apostles had the task of transitioning the one church of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. From the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. Verse 24. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. You can sense here, you can see here that Paul is trying to teach the Galatians not only about Christianity, but he's having to also teach them about Judaism. Because for, in order for them to see what not to do, he had to teach them what the Judaizers or where the Judaizers are coming from. And so he is, and they didn't know either. They didn't know Christianity or Judaism. And so they needed to understand the slavery and the drudgery of the Old Covenant to get the freedom and the joy of the New Covenant. Verse 25, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. And this is the difference between the Old Testament church and the New Testament church. And herein lies the work of the apostles to transition the church from guardianship to adoption, from law to freedom, from slave to son. And what a joy and a blessing this task must have been for them but it was also difficult. Jews knew the law, and they were reluctant to embrace the freedom that was offered. The Gentiles, on the other hand, were easier because they were new and fresh and didn't have all this baggage in a sense, but they were more vulnerable, subject to to, uh, influences that were not theologically, biblically correct. And so Paul goes on to explain to these new Gentile believers, for as many, in verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And so Paul is reminding them of his time with them, that they were baptized and had to, and had just freshly put on Christ when he left. This was what Jesus commanded them to do, to identify the New Testament churches. He did not say, go therefore and make disciples, circumcising them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on to remind them of the new covenant that he just taught them. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, don't forget what you've learned. Don't fall for these people coming in. Don't believe it. These Jews only want to keep up the divisions, the distinctions, the bondage, the slavery, the works. But Paul says now the church has a new covenant and that they are part of this new covenant. One with Christ. In verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And here, Paul makes a watershed gospel proclamation by telling these Gentile Galatians that because they were received by Christ, because their hearts were enabled. To seek Him. Because Scripture says no one seeks God. We do not have the ability to seek God until He enables our hearts to seek God. Because their hearts were enabled to seek Him and find Him and receive Him and be changed by Christ, they also I'm sliding here. They also are now part of the church and part of the seed of Christ that was promised through Abraham. And if that is so, then they are heirs. And really, when you think about it, in God's sovereignty and God's plan, these Gentiles have always been heirs. And now it's revealed. So, by way of review, Paul has told us the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That difference is the spirit of adoption, and, and we're getting ready to get into that a little bit more. He has told us not to forget this difference. Don't let people come in and try to dissuade you from that or get you caught up in one thing or another. He's also, uh, in a sense, spiritually reminding us, projected forward into the year 2017. This is one thing that the enemy, our spiritual enemy, Satan, does not want us to experience. And there it goes. The spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit that reminds us whose we are. Should I even try to put this back on? Okay. For the sake of the recording and the thousands and millions of hits we'll get on this, I will try to put this back on. Okay. Phil's ear and my ear are not the same. Okay, sorry. I've always had trouble with this. Um, So, Paul's told us the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's told us not to forget the difference. Now he's going to finish with why this difference makes all the difference. And if you get this difference, you will leave differently today. God will have been made larger to you and he will leave and you will leave and i will leave in more awe of him and that is what worship is to be in awe of god so paul goes on to explain they also like jews have been under a guardian up until now he says in verse 4 or excuse me chapter 4 verse 1 i mean that the air As long as he's a child, it's no different from a slave, though he's the owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. And in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So Paul is giving a big picture of the great transition of the one church. Not two churches, one church, two covenants. The old covenant and the new covenant covenant and now is the transition time. This is where the world was rocked, where history was changed and the the apostles are in the middle of it and they have been given the task of transitioning it and to help people see the adoption and the freedom and that they are now sons of God and children of God and not under the law and not having to repeat the same sacrifices over and over no longer clean, unclean, clean unclean did I touch this person in the wrong way? Oh, i got to go back and sacrifice this and that. And so he says in one, I mean that the heir, and what he's saying here is the heir, is, the heir here is our, our children of the promise, the church. And Paul is explaining to the Galatians that up until very recently, the church was still the Old Testament church. And it was under the law. And not only was it under the law, but it was also subject to all the trappings, the additions, the extra pomp, and circumstance that had been added over the centuries by the minds of men. That was the Jewish world Paul is explaining to these Galatians. Now the Gentiles had their own Law, in a sense. Romans 2, Paul talks about this and says that they were a law unto themselves, even though they did not have the law like the Jews had. So again, Paul is having to teach these Gentiles what it was like to have been a Jew under this old system, the drudgery of of it all. They were so weary of their sin and being unclean and clean and unclean and repeating Over and over, the temporary atonement for it. And then it happened. Then everything changed. Verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, Born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So at the perfect time, God intersected the Old Testament. Run with a permanent, once for all, appeasement, sacrifice, fulfillment in the person of Jesus. So, being completely satisfied, the guardian, the manager, the tutor, if you will, of the law, now, hands off the Old Testament church to the risen Christ. And the new relationship begins. The new covenant. The new testament. And He begins, Jesus begins to adopt them one by one, beginning with the apostles. He makes them sons and daughters of His own Father. They become His brothers and sisters And then He does something even more amazing and powerful than adoption. And verse 6 tells us what it is. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. He gives them His Spirit. And this is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes, the Spirit was active and alive in the Old Testament, but not in this way. Jesus had not given the Spirit of adoption. This is the difference. And what difference does the Spirit of adoption make to you and to me? Well, look at Pentecost. What difference did it make to the apostles they were hiding in a room kind of fearful and then the holy spirit came upon them that very first baptism of the holy spirit no it was remember it was not the receiving of the holy spirit that was John 20 this was the first baptism given by Jesus of the apostles he baptized them with his holy spirit and with that baptism they received the spirit Of adoption. What is the spirit of the adoption? To be given the spirit of adoption. Is to be given the rights. To the same relationship. A father and a child would have. Not fear. But joyful familiarity. Not against you. But for you. Not weighing you down with burden. But lifting you up. With encouragement. Not only do you know God, but He knows you. Not only do you love God, but He loves you. Not only do you feel like He is your Father, He is your Father. Not only Do you want what God has for you? We all want what God has for us. As heir, we are promised that one day we will get it. And we will get it all. And so, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. As our worship team comes now to close us, let's close in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for the way that you have redeemed the church. Thank you for choosing the apostles, the men of that time, to transition the Old Testament church to the New Testament or the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. Thank you for promising us and giving us the spirit of adoption. And I pray for us in this room, those of us who are struggling, feeling like perhaps we do not have this spirit of adoption, or we have forgotten this spirit of adoption, I pray for us that You would baptize us with Your Holy Spirit, fill us with Your Holy Spirit, that we would be overflowing with the knowledge and the joy and the peace and the happiness that comes with knowing that we are in the family of God. We ask this in the name of Christ, our Savior.